Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 podcast. Derek Johnson of Locked On Jayhawks is joining us. And it's a full episode dedicated to Kansas football. Who would have thought this was coming in the middle of the season? It's here now. Let's do it. We're talking all things Jayhawks. How do we get here? Where do we go? Where does Lance Leipold go? Hopefully he stays. All that kind of stuff is coming up next on the show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Derek, uh, you are the host of Locked On Jayhawks. I'm the host of Locked On Big 12, but also a Missouri alum. Big rivalry here, but I just feel like I get so much joy from watching Kansas football. I- I'm I'm like this close to ordering a Kansas football shirt. And I have to tell you this, my girlfriend is a Missouri Tiger. We met at school. She has threatened all kinds of things. You know, hey, you'll be single if you do this. I'm not sure I can say, I I think I just have to order one. I think I have to say, you know what, whatever happens, happens. I'm so enamored by the Jayhawks right now. It's it's crazy because during basketball season, you're used to being, you know, kind of the target on your back. You're the blue blood. Everybody wants to see you lose. And then you get to football season and because of how things have gone recently, everybody is just like that. Like they're on board. Like, obviously if, if, you know, you are a diehard uh, fan of, of somebody they're playing like Houston doesn't want to see them win or something like that. But it, it was, it was so, uh, I don't know. It's almost like heartwarming when you saw too, because there was the Scott Van Pelt comment on, I want to say it was Friday night at sports center where he just kind of, it was never like we're we're for sure going to Kansas if they win this week at Houston, but he kind of threw it in there like, who knows, maybe game day could be in, in Lawrence if Kansas wins in Houston. And they win in Houston, Duke's 3-0 and as well, and then they pick the Tennessee-Florida game on Sunday. And to not just see like people locally kind of try to flame ESPN and game day and stuff for not going there, but to see other people like yourself, like uh, just uh, college football national fans be upset that they didn't go to Lawrence. It was it was kind of heartwarming. I mean, Tennessee, Florida happens every single year, right? And I forgot who we were talking to last week on, on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, but they were like, look, if Duke is 3-0 and and KU is 3-0, the, the, uh, it, it, they're not just playing any team. It's a basketball powerhouse who's also 3-0. and And also, I, I think – for as good of a job as as Lance Leipold has, jo- has done, Mike Elko deserves a ton of credit for what he's done over there at Duke. But, like, look, pay to fly Coach K out. Get Bill Self there. Lean to the basketball part of it. I mean, I've been to Lawrence, Kansas. They would go – and, look, it's a basketball town, whatever it is. They would go nuts if game day was there. I think the problem, Derek, is it's a Fox Sports 1 game. That's the big <laughs> problem here. It's – We'd be doing two Fox games in a three-week span if we had game day there, which is the ultimate problem, and I I hate that. But, like, it it just kind of speaks to – I mean, what is the the pitch right now? Is it a fever pitch in in Lawrence about Kansas football? Is it just kind of a, oh, this is great, or is it legitimate excitement because of the way the football team is playing? I think after the West Virginia win, it was – Okay, this is a cool story. They're clearly better than they were in past seasons, past regimes, and they're starting to figure things out. But the Houston win, because you're talking about a Houston team that just took Texas Tech to double overtime. So, like, that's 
kind of a reference point of competition. I know it doesn't always work with the transitive property and everything, but they took Tech to double overtime in Lubbock. And if not for that big fourth down conversion, they win that game. KU was playing in Houston. They, I mean, that wasn't really even a game in the fourth quarter. It was them just kind of steamrolling through, right? So you start to kind of go through the list and it's not to say that Kansas is going to beat Texas Tech, but it's to say that, okay, Kansas is maybe on that same kind of tier as Texas Tech, as maybe TCU, obviously they beat West Virginia, Kansas State losing to Tulane. Maybe those two teams are closer than we might've thought before the season obviously started to where you can start to get yourself to say, you know, maybe some of those games are more winnable than we thought. Maybe if they go two and two in those four winnable games or something like that, then all of a sudden you're competing for a bowl. So that's that's what the Houston win felt like because of the fact that it wasn't just a win. It was a win that you kind of just rolled through the second half of. After you get down 14 nothing, you go on a 42-7 to run at one point. It's starting to feel like the conversation is changing from, hey, this is a cool story, to all of a sudden like, and if you're saying this from a national perspective in terms of are they a top 15 team, like, no, obviously not. But from a perspective of, are they just like a solid, are they just like a good football team? Yes, it feels like that is what's actually happening here. Hey, everyone. Quick word from our sponsors today on the show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by the folks at LinkedIn. And now that we are in the fall season, you guys can ramp up your business by finding the people you want to hire faster. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. So, Derek, I mean, let's talk about this offense that's been so fantastic. I, I mean, I think to me the big thing is they can threaten to run the football on every single day. And, look, they've been efficient passing, somewhat efficient passing. I, I, I So I got crushed. Actually, what are your thoughts on this first? So I got – I took some heat from Jayhawks fans who were like, watch tape, watch tape, watch tape. And they were saying Jalen Daniels is a better pass than giving credit for. Well, the Tennessee Tech game was awesome in terms of efficiency. He was low 60s in the next two games, which is fine. It's not bad. But to me, what I'm seeing is I think, number one, the design of the plays is fantastic. Number two, um, he's not 110. Like, I think a lot of – he opens up some of the passing stuff with his legs, which is fine. That happens. A lot of NFL quarterbacks are doing that. And three, I think he's coming along as a passer, which means that there's more room for this offense to grow and get better, in my opinion. So what are your thoughts on the offense and my assessment of Daniels as a passer? Do you think I'm I'm being too harsh? I love Jalen Daniels. I think he's an amazing leader. I think he's like he's he's maybe the most important player in all of college football this year to a team. I mean, you cannot you cannot take him away from this team. They're, they're as good. But what are your thoughts on this offense and maybe the room to even get better than they are right now? The number one offense and efficiency in all of America. Yeah, so like I would say there's there's obviously room to grow there and that this is or it has been more of a, a running team than it is a passing team, especially when you look at the triple option and everything. 
He's still putting up bigger numbers than we've seen from a KU quarterback in a long time, though. Over eight yards per attempt. Uh, he's first in total QBR on ESPN, which that does take into account some of the other stuff as well. The biggest thing that I can compliment him on is the third downs. Like, KU has, and I think you see this a lot, teams that have good quarterbacks tend to convert third downs more than ones that don't. And there's other things that go into that, like down and distance. And when KU is running the ball well and setting themselves up, in third down and short, third down and medium, it's going to be a more desirable situation for Jalen to throw in. I think that's what we've kind of seen here, though. He has been money, and when they've needed passes, he's completed them. He has been so clutch at doing that. Um, The big question for me, it's not that I don't think he can necessarily do it. It's kind of an unproven thing at this point. What happens if KU faces a team this season that they're not able to run everywhere, right? You had 200 rushing yards against West Virginia. You ran at six and a half per pop against Houston, 280 rushing yards. Obviously, against Tennessee Tech, you were able to just do whatever you wanted on the ground in that game. What happens in a game where KU only has 120 rushing yards? Are the defense able to key on that? Or KU is in a lot more third and sevens, third and eights. We've seen him convert some of those. That'll be the question for me. So it's not that I don't think the talent is there. Like, The arm talent on the kid is there. He has the ability to scramble and move around in the pocket. It's just that we maybe haven't seen it a ton necessarily because this hasn't been a pass-first offense or a team that has been set up in a lot of those downs, which is a good thing, but certainly it'll matter more. Like, if you're playing Baylor, you can't expect to run for 280 yards against Baylor. And honestly, actually, that was an example I used, like, them in particular, right? Um, But here's the thing. We're talking about a Kansas team at three games in. We haven't had to ask that question because the offense has pushed people around up front. And I'll give I'll give the guys this. I think also the receivers have done a great job blocking. I mean, they've run the ball. They've run I mentioned the other day, and they mentioned on the broadcast the KU game on the radio. They've run counter. They've run inside zone. They run outside zone. They've run sweeps. They've run. I mean, power. They've run the, the RPOs. They've done the whole series. They, they've done all of it. And I think that's what's most impressive is that this team has been coached and executed to the point where it's not mattered what West Virginia or Houston or you know Tennessee Tech, but still on the road, it hasn't mattered what the other team was doing. They've been able to execute after getting punched in the face to, to perfection. Because I and that's that's one thing we'll touch on too. Um, they've executed perfection. They need to stop being the fighter that has to get knocked down first before they can get back up and going. You mentioned Baylor. It won't work against the Bears. Probably won't work against Oklahoma State. Probably won't work against OU. It won't work against Texas, I don't think. Those, those four teams. But they're 3-0 to this point. It has worked. Might work against Duke. I think the next step here is we got to start fast. Yeah, 100%. And a lot of that is, is on the defense because they've done a good job adjusting. But, uh, you know, you have to – I think even this week against Duke in a game where – they're or they have been so far kind of a weak schedule so so we'll see what it looks like against you know more of a power five team um we saw them obviously against northwestern but northwestern's kind of struggled there but duke has been really good at running the football and that was something last week against houston that like if you take out the sacks that ku got against houston they are they were averaging over five yards per carry that was a bugaboo of the defense last year they gave up over six yards of pop on the ground that was the worst number in the power five that was one of the worst numbers in the entire country so like you kind of want to see that number be a little bit better but yeah it's it it's just something where you can't continue to chase points and they've done a good job chasing 
or, or not doing that in that when they have gotten down 14 nothing or in the West Virginia game 14 nothing and 21 7 of still just sticking with the offensive identity and being like, hey, we're down 14. We're not going to rush it. We're still going to, you know, run the football and everything. We're not going to rush our system and, and just all of a sudden start airing things out everywhere. But what happens if the slow start leads to you being down 14 into the second half as opposed to the first quarter or the second quarter? That's where the problems arise. So there is a lot of pressure, I think, on them to come out swinging on that defensive side of the ball specifically. Offensively, even though it has maybe led to them being down 14-0 or 21-7 in the last couple games, they still have been able to get it going early, maybe just not on the first drive. It's the defense that I want to see if they can kind of pick it up in the early going of the game. Yeah, and so do you think my assessment of them being an old-school Big 12 defense is right? I mean, I think they have like they have a talent to not be, but it feels like when they play, like when they play Oklahoma State, right? It feels like it's going to be a, all right, we're going to give it up a little bit. But when Spencer Sanders makes that mistake, we're going to turn it into a first and goal, a first down into the red zone, or a touchdown. Like, that might be the right approach this year for this defense. And look, you know, I'm not saying that's the approach you always want, but for a team that's coming from a 2-10 season, to hang with a top-level team in the Big 12, like, that might be the approach they need. Yeah, we actually had this conversation um, on – I forget if it was my radio show or locked on last week of like, is Kansas just turning into prime Texas tech? You know what I mean? Like hell uh, like yes. Maybe, right. Hell yes. But, but they run the ball instead of throwing as much. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They're like a, a kind of coastal Carolina type offense where it's like this spread option type of thing. Tulane kind of does the same thing, but, but yeah, they're becoming that where it's like last year they give up 42 points per game. This year, the defense is better. There's more talent. There's more depth, but they're still giving up a lot of yardage to where it's you're going to be in some of these shootouts. It's 42 42 at the end of regulation against West Virginia. You give up 30 points to Houston in that game to where for Kansas to have to win these games, they're going to have to put up high 30s. They're going to have to put up 40 something points because the defense isn't one that's just going to completely stop you. So, yeah, you do have to, if you're not going to be a defense that is just stalwarts on that end. You have to find ways that you can make up for it. So like what you said with the turnover stuff, can you be opportunistic? Can you force more turnovers? Can you come up with the big strip sack or interception like we saw Kenny Logan off the tipped up ball in the air off of uh, one of his linebackers? Like, can you come up with those key plays? Can you come up with drives where you're able to bend but not break? That was something last year's team didn't do a good enough job of either. Uh, Last year's team bent a lot and they broke a lot. They gave up, like I said, over 40 points per game. But the the red zone numbers of opposing teams in the KU red zone last year, it was over like 80% of drives ended up in touchdowns. And, and the gap between them and the eighth best team in the Big 12 last year in red zone defense, I think it was Texas Tech, uh, was like the same distance as the gap between the eighth best team to the second best team in touchdown percentage in the red zone. So just being more opportunistic, like that might be enough for the defense to just make improvements from last year. And given how good the offense has been, maybe that is enough for this team to go bowling. The the guys that cover three, I believe call it red zone roulette is what that is the term they've coined it. And here's the thing. You have to be good enough though, to play red zone roulette. And like KU was not last year and they are this year. And that kind of gets us to the point of development. This program is going and the head man. The thing about Lance Leipold is if this guy was, it's it's really interesting because if he was 
in his thirties, you'd have some questions about like, is there a tracker, you know, his tracker, like, is, is he established enough? He's 59, 58. Is that correct? I believe 58. I don't know when exactly his birthday is, but yeah. So still like, you know, not that he's going to die anytime soon, but like he is older ish. And for a guy who's that age, who's been in college ball for a long time, if a Nebraska comes calling, I mean, you have to at least consider it. And you and I talked last week, we talked in the round table about, look, like, you know, would Nebraska love hiring Lance Leipold, all the fans? Probably not. But they don't go to bowl games. And so what's the first step to becoming anywhere or, or to even seeing if you can become what old Nebraska was? And I know you all, you know, people at KU, obviously, you know, Missouri person too, like that stuff's not lost on us. We still follow the other Midwestern teams closely. The first step would be hiring a guy who like the floor is going to be a solid foundational floor. The ceiling, I've got no clue, but the guys won titles in at Wisconsin Whitewater. He won Mac titles at Buffalo. And I'm not saying, you know, what a title here at Kansas, but like, Good Lord, man. That's not a good program. It's not been, we all know this, but they are dangerous this year and all of that stuff into account. Why would you not want that? The next key for, uh, you know, Travis Goff and company is making sure it's worth his wildest day. KU. Yeah. I uh, was talking to a friend about this earlier today and he said, at what point, if you're Travis Goff, at what point, if you're Kansas, do you offer up like the Mel Tucker contract, like what he got at Michigan State, that 10-year, $95 million deal? Is that too crazy? Does, does KU have that type of money? I don't know. He's making like $2.5 now by the end of his contract because it goes up a little bit each year. I think it's up to $3.5 million by the time it's done. Uh, David Booth just gave, I don't know, maybe a handful of years ago, he gave like $50 million like up front for KU to build facilities and stuff. If you're a big donor at KU... I think priority number one at this point, even though they are trying to work on some stadium renovations and other facility upgrades, is probably, hey, what money can we muster up? Because we know Nebraska being in the Big Ten, you're going to be making $100 million a year with the Big Ten money. You're going to have more opportunities for those facility upgrades. You're going to have more opportunities to pay more for your assistance. You're going to have more NIL money to go around. All those things matter. And obviously, they're going to be able to pay Lance Leipold if that's who they decide to go with a lot of money. So what can you do to KU if you are KU to make this as difficult a decision as possible right now? It's not just about the contract money of how much you can pay him right now. The buyout is only $4 million, which in this day and age in college football is nothing, or I should say it's $5 million. It goes down to four in December, but like, you know, you see schools paying 15, 17, 20 plus million dollars to get out of coaches or buy other coaches out elsewhere. So, any way that you can to try to lure him in and keep him around at KU is going to be a vast importance for this program moving forward. And the one thing is like, no matter what happens in the SEC or the big 10 money wise, Kansas will always maintain their competitive edge in basketball. They like, uh, is that fair to say the don't, the donor base will not let them become uncompetitive. Is that fair? Yes, correct. I think maybe you should apply. Like, here's the thing. If my Missouri Tigers played your Kansas Jayhawks on a neutral field, which actually I think they're going to play football here pretty soon. Am I correct in that? Yeah. I when, believe that? next season. Yes. Mm-hmm. If they played today, I Kansas might beat them by like two scores. 
right? And be able to being able to say that is important around where, where you know where we went to school. That's that's an edge worth paying for, in my opinion, right? To to be able to to be semi competitive in the Big Twelve, like who knows, right? Jalen Daniels might be a uh, might th- those kinds of guys might be unique, but the model, the way that that Lance Leipold always tailors his team's approach to his players' strengths at a place like KU, that's valuable. And I, I'm with you. Whatever the Mel Tucker contract means in Kansas terms, right? I don't think it's the same money, obviously. We're not talking about that that much. But whatever that Mel Tucker deal is, I guess the godfather deal, if you will, it's worth paying, in my opinion, because of what he obviously does with the level of talent that he has. Yeah, and and I, I think when when I was talking about this earlier with someone, I, uh, you know, he the the way he phrased it in asking to me was, "Do you do that if they make a bowl game?" And my response was, "I do it right now." You know what I mean? Like, but before any more of this Nebraska Doesn't stuff matter. continues on, Doesn't matter, right? And so I I think especially like, you know, you're you're in a weird position here where I think this is going to have a lot of. Uh, I guess, long-term impact on the big 12 in general, because think about it. If the top two candidates right now, I, I think bet online released uh, an initial uh, list and Lance Leipold, I want to say was sixth or seventh on the odds list. He was 10 to one. Matt Campbell was the favorite. I, I saw another uh, betting site today that updated the odds and it had Matt Campbell at one. It had Lance Leipold at number two on the betting odds. So, I mean, you're, you're not just talking about what's this going to have an effect on Nebraska, but, Part of the conversation of how good is your program going to be in your conference, it's not always just about you. Like it is if, if you're Alabama or you're Georgia, of course, it's about you. You're getting all the best players, right? So you don't really need to worry about what other team is doing because you're just going to be better than them. But from certain programs, sometimes it's about, well, what program is down? What program is going to open up the avenue for us to surpass them and be better than them? And for so long, Iowa State, was a two or three win team until Matt Campbell kind of took over. Right. So if you're talking about the Nebraska job, if they hire Lance Leipold, does Kansas go back to what they were? And now all of a sudden West Virginia is like, okay, great. We don't have to worry about losing to Kansas like we did this year. Or if Iowa state loses Matt Campbell, does all of a sudden that vault a school like Kansas or some of these other schools above an Iowa state and they drop that back down again, like, it's crazy how much the Nebraska job, even though they're no longer in the big 12 could have an effect on the big 12. I think the one good part of this is that um, a lot of people there think they're better than Lance Leipold, which they're not, but I actually think it's an advantage for KU, right? You mentioned like, this is, this is when, if I am, I'm trying to scoff, man, I'm in the room like tomorrow morning or like, you know, I'm making sure we're doing this now because look like they've, they contacted urban Meyer. All right. We, we, that, that is something they have now, whether that, that is a, you know, do you want the job? Who do you think should take the job? Matt Campbell will be number one. I think also his age would probably lend to that too. Right. Kind of makes more sense where he is. And, and so I think while Lance Leipold, I'm not saying he's not worthy of the job, but maybe take the time where he's not the number one guy to make sure he's not the number one guy because you're paying him too much money. That's just, that's how I feel about it. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. You want to make it as difficult as possible because you're right. There's there's going to be whether it's age, whether it still is track record. It's, you know, one of those things where it's hard to describe to a fan. Like we have seen it before, right? When Gene Chizik went to 
to uh, Auburn from Iowa State where the record wasn't great. But it, it's hard to get the donors. It's hard to get the fan base on board when that's not there. Lance Leipold could still have a six and six season for Kansas, which would be, you know, a huge party here in Lawrence if you make a bowl game. Right. But then when you see it running across the ticker on ESPN, if you're a Nebraska fan and you're not like in the weeds of college football of what six and six meant at Kansas, you're seeing it come across and you're going eight and 16 in his two years at Kansas. Why is this guy coming to Nebraska? So you're right. It's not the sexy hire. I think it would be a good hire, but you're right. There's going to be other guys above him on the list, whether it is a Matt Campbell, whether it is who, who knows if like a, a Mark Stoops or something like that would take the job. Uh, I, I would imagine Matt rule is going to get fired some point here soon from Carolina. Who knows where he would be on the list if he wants to get into the coaching game right away or take a year off or, or what that is, but there's going to be other candidates in front of him. So you're right. Try to make it as, as unappealing to Nebraska as possible. So you can further him down the list because who knows what coaches are taking the job? Who knows what coaches aren't taking the job and how far they're going to go down that list? One more word from today's sponsors on the show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by Bet Online and BetOnline.net. Go to BetOnline today. You guys can check out all the scores and odds for pro football, for college football. They've got uh, over-under win totals to start the season. They've got odds on going to the Heisman Trophy finalists, uh, winning the Heisman Trophy, going to bowl games, all those kinds of things, division odds for the NFL. They also have Major League Baseball, NASCAR, F1, boxing, MMA, soccer, anything else that you could think of that you want to get action on, they've got at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. So go and head over there today, sign up. It's free to do and immerse yourself in the wonderful world of sports action Bet online, it's where the game starts. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think I think it's gonna be very, very, uh, very interesting. Also, uh, our friend, I'm sure you talked to him before, Jesse Newell, obviously now covers. I think was coming the Chiefs now. Yep, uh, does a fantastic job. He said at five wins, they build the statue of Leipold. So we're two away from from Jesse's prediction there of them building the statue. Uh, Derek, love locked on Jayhawks. I'm so glad to have a, a Kansas host now. And it's so I'm so glad you got to come on board for this awesome season. Where can people find you? They find the show. Let them know where to get their Jayhawks fix. Because uh, we have a lot of Jayhawks fans talking shit to me in the and in, in the comments. So I'm sure you'll have a more brighter view of it. But where can they find you and your work? Yeah. So go to Locked On Jayhawks. You can find it anywhere you find your podcasts. You can subscribe to the show. So you're always catching everything. We're going to be up on YouTube shortly. I think that'll be next week. But for now, you can check out all the audio side of everything. And obviously, you can give me a follow. I'm going to put all my work on my Twitter page, which if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it right below at D Johnson Radio. All right, Derek, man. Appreciate your time as always. Absolutely. Anytime.